for chapter 21 tonight. We're going to look at the last several verses, beginning in 43, verse 43. Now the children of Israel had divided the land. And we see that the Bible tells us in verse 43, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of the land and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hands. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Father, now we thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless it to our ears and to our hearts. May we, Lord, realize that word all, that you want all of our hearts, you want all of our lives. You promise us all the great blessings to those who will submit ourselves to you. So bless, Lord, we pray as we look in your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in chapter 13, we see that Joshua was old and advanced in years. There were six people in the Bible that we see that. Of course, Joshua... Then you have Abraham was old and advanced in years, and Sarah, that's, that's very interesting how that uh, you have two couples, uh, Josh, uh, Abraham and Sarah. Uh, David was old and advanced in years. Zacharias and Elizabeth were old and advanced in years. And each one of those, except for David, uh, were yet to see the great things that God was going to do in their lives, even though they were old and advanced in years. And so that always gives us hope no matter how old we are. Now, David, of course, uh, had uh, been blessed a lot earlier, but, uh, but for the most part, we see that God uses and blesses people who will give their hearts to him no matter what age. So we see now that they are, that the Lord tells us several things here. First of all, we see the significance. Notice the Bible says, God gave to Israel all the land which you had sworn to give to their fathers. God gave the land to Israel. That's a biblical principle. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. It has been given now for almost 4,000 years to the nation or to the people of Israel. And so we see that he says he gave to Israel all the land. One, One thing that you'll see uh, throughout this is that God gave all and um, also the inheritance. You'll see that word inherited. And uh, of course, that's, uh, there's a couple of principles here uh, that God saves us completely, but then there are things that we are to go in and possess ourselves. And we see here that God gave all the land uh, that he had sworn to the fathers to, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to Moses, to, to right on through. And he, they took possession, and they took possession and dwelt in it. And the Lord gave them rest all around. Now, he gave them rest because he gave them victories. And so now they have gone in, and the major jobs are done. But as long as we're living, there's always going to be small battles to fight. There's always going to be 
little pockets of resistance because we don't war against, uh, um, we, we wrestle against flesh and blood. And so there's always something in our lives. Uh, I like uh, the older I get, the rel- uh, each one of us, you realize that, boy, I just thought, boy, once I get to this age, then life's going to be easier. No, it just seems like it gets rougher. There's always something to fight. There's always something to possess. There's always, as long as we're on this side of, of, um, of eternity, then God has something for us to do. But at the same time, God tells us if we come unto him, Jesus said, I, if you come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. And that, that uh, principle in scripture is not that he will give you uh, total unchallenged life and that you'll just lay around in flowery beds of ease, but know that he, that you get on in track on track with him. And as you move forward, then, uh, then you, you run like a, we like to compare it to a, a train on a track. A train can run off track, but it's not going to run very long and very good off a track. It's designed to be on track. And the same way with you talk about an engine, boy, if when it's purring and it's doing everything, everything's functioning just the way it's supposed to be, then uh, that's a very peaceful engine, even though it's going. Well, same way in our lives. There's, uh, there's all kinds of things out there. But uh, to go from point A to point B, there's going to be challenges, but yet there can be rest for our souls. And the peace that passes understanding the things that God says. And so notice they got rest because of their obedience. And you will see now from this time on that the children of Israel had rest when they were obedient. They had great conflict when they were disobedient. And their rest depended on what they did with their Lord. And ultimately we know it was uh, that they became so disobedient that God had promised them that uh, this land is yours. And I promised it to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And uh, one day they will, you're going to, to, to um, have it for a thousand years. But, uh, but it all depends on your, your obedience. And we see that they kept failing, but God still has the promise out there. But we see that uh, the, there was rest all around. So he gave to Israel, all the land, one of the key words, all. And of course, so he said, inherit it. And he dwelt in it. And notice that he gave rest all around, according to the sworn to the fathers, and not a man of all their enemies. So notice it was complete victory stood against them. So even though there were still pockets of resistance, uh, there were, there were, these people had, were not coming to attack. In fact, they still had jobs to do. They still had to go in and do some mop-up organizations or uh, operations we'll see in a moment. And he said, and he delivered all their enemies into their hands. Not a word, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. We love to sing, standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Well, uh, it's great to sing about the eternal ages, but at the same time, uh, someone said, uh, as we think of the sweet by and by, we, we live in the nasty now and now. And so how do we find peace for our souls? How do we find this uh, peace that passes understanding that Paul tells to the, 
to the Philippians. And so we see it's always in obedience. Now, there's several things here as we look back over this passage. And um, as we'll be finishing up, I hope the book of Joshua within next week or the following week. But uh, we see as we go back and let's just... um, uh, we look at all, first of all, God divided these, uh, these uh, tribes up. And we see that he taught, dealt with the first five tribes. He dealt with Reuben, which was on the east side of the Jordan. And he dealt with uh, uh, Ephra- uh, Judah and Ephraim and Manasseh. Those were the two tribes of, um, of, um, of Joseph. And so those are the two major uh, tribes, actually three tribes, but uh, of Joseph, and, uh, of course, of the forefathers. And uh, then he dealt with Gad. So you have, he dealt with um, Judah and Ephraim and uh, Manasseh and Gad, of course, half tribe of Manasseh. Uh, on, but then in chapter 18, we see that uh, he, uh, he, he tells these people, now notice, first of all, in chapter 18, says, now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh. Why did they do that? Because now the tabernacle had been moved to Shiloh. Remember what God says, wherever I send you, or wherever the, wherever the, the tabernacle is, that's the center of worship. And so we see that God now, and we don't know how long, uh, because the book of, or the Hebrew language is not always time sensitive like the Greek language is. But it must have been several years. But uh, Gilgal was where it was first located. That was just on the east, on the west side of Jordan. But now Shiloh is going to be the major place that the tabernacle is going to stay. And it's in the very center, in the heartland of Israel. So people from all around could come and worship. And of course, all those uh, uh, feast days and everything that God had set up, the sacrifices and everything were going to be there in Shiloh. And it was going to stay there until the days of Eli. And if you remember Eli, the weak weak priest in the days of Samuel, and uh, how the the Philistines came up and captured it. And so this was a this was a, um, the, the center of place. But notice what happens here. And this is a, just a tendency. And they set up the tabernacle of meeting there. And the land was subdued before them. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And then Joshua said to the children, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land? So obviously they had already been given the general places that they were going to be. And you can look on any Bible that has maps and you'll see uh, the uh, layout of the original tribes of, of Israel and the, uh, and the positions and the places of the Levites, particularly the six um, cities that were for refuge. And these were all laid out, three on the east side, three on the west side. And we see that, um, that he says, how long are you, are you going to wait? And so this is the tendency. Once you have victory, just to kind of, well, you don't want to go any farther. But there's always some, some, some uh, place to conquer. There's always something to do. As, as someone has said, if we're not advancing for the Lord, we're backsliding. If we're not growing in the Lord, if we're not. Now, of course, there's times when, um, when we are just in a rhythm and we're serving the Lord. 
But at the same time, there's going to be those challenges. There's always going to be those things of onward and upward. And we see that the people here, even though they, they were given the land, they had not possessed the land. And, God, and Joshua says, how long, are you going to, how long are you going to wait around? And even when they moved in, we see that they had problems. Now, I'm not going to go through each one of the tribes. This is one of those great studies. Each one of these tribes, if you go back to, uh, to the inheritance that was promised to them by both uh, Moses, excuse me, both by uh, Jacob back in Genesis chapter um, 49, and then you see the, the promises that God made to each one of the tribes and through, De- uh, through um, Moses and Deuteronomy, you'll see that th- there's a lot that is tied together. But in um, each one of these tribes, and you'll see that uh, the two, two major uh, tribes, uh, t- t- the two major sons of Joseph that were the sons of Jacob, I'm sorry, it's uh, Sunday night, so <laughs> uh, let me get all this straight. But um, the sons of Jacob, of course, the two main ones were Judah and Joseph. And so the first, uh, the tribes, those first, two of the first five tribes, and two, of course, two of those tribes were then three of the first five tribes because of, it was Joseph's two sons, the double portion, Ephraim and Manasseh, as well as Judah. He spends an extensive amount of time telling us about their portion. But then he goes on and he, uh, we see though, let me just pick out one to show you what, uh, what happens and how that obedience matters for eternity. Uh, look in chapter 18 and the tribe of Dan. The tribe of Dan is one of the most intriguing of all the tribes because it was a tribe that uh, went off first, uh, one of the first tribes that went off into stark idolatry. And yet they were given choice land. And then they didn't like all the land because their land was between Ephraim, one of the tribes of Joseph, and Judah. And they felt like they were squeezed in. So later on, they moved on up to the very top of north of Israel. And uh, they formed a city up there called Dan also. But notice it says, on the south side, which began on the uh, Kareth Jerem, now that would be in the center of Israel, one of the, uh, the little streams or rivers, on the border thereof that went out from the spring to the water of Naphtali. Um, and you can look on your maps to see this. Uh, then the border went down uh, to the end of the mountain, uh, to the valley of the Hinnom and so forth. But, um, excuse me, where am I? I'm 1840. I said 1940. Okay, 1940. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay, 1940. Um, and the seventh lot. Now, what would happen? The lot was, this. they would go before the priest, and they would cast lots. I don't know exactly how they did it, and most people don't. But the Bible tells us that in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, that the lot is controlled by the Lord. And so this was a way of finding God's will as he would go before the priest. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, uh, dice are a way that we, that we go today. We go before the Holy Spirit. But uh, this was done in the Old Testament. 
And this, and of course, it fell just exactly like God wanted it to. But in chapter 19, verse 40, we see, And the seventh lot came to the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families. And the territory and the inheritance, and there's that word again, inheritance, inheritance. We have a great inheritance, folks, because we are children of the king. And this is a picture here. Inheritance that went from Zerah. And notice now some of the things that God gave them. He gave them Shemosh and all these different cities, Elon and Timnah and Ekron. Now, Timnah was close to uh, Joshua's estate that, God, that the children of Israel gave him. Uh, to jo- both jo- Joshua and Caleb got their designated portion because of their faithfulness to God. But to, to Timnah, and notice, where is Ekron? What, to, what, to, what do we think of Ekron? Uh, and we notice also, he talks about um, Gath and uh, several other cities that God gave to Dan. And so the two cities that we think of, of, of uh, there were five cities of the Philistines, and two of them were Gath and Ekron. So the children of Israel had a chance to wipe out enemies before they ever started. But the Philistines were going to become one of the great thorns in the side of Israel for the rest of their lives, for the rest of their history. In fact, uh, it was, it, the, the, the word uh, Philistine means wanderer. And these were people that were mostly nomadic, but they did settle down in five city-states. And even with that, there was nomadic activity around. But these were their strongholds, and we know they had their temples there because if you read uh, about about Samson and so forth, and he fought the the, uh, Philistines all of his life. But he, and of course, he came from Timnah, and he found his, uh, and it shows us even with that, that uh, he, uh, that he went down to the Philistines from Timnah uh, to, uh, to get his first wife. And then the Philistines, he went back and forth with them and all, all the rest. But they controlled those big, huge, sweet, uh, those wheat fields that God gave to Israel. But by the time of Samson, we see that he's burning those wheat fields because they belong to the Philistines, because they did not get the land. We also know that uh, in Gath, there was a family uh, of giants, and the most notable giant was, what was his name? Goliath, another thorn in the side, all the way up until David's time. But all the way up until these people were around even during the Lord's time. And they've been there, uh, kind of a, like a, a, a non-entity, even after Israel was banished by the Romans for two millennia, all the way to 1948. That land was barren, just like God said it would be. And nobody really claimed it. There were people moving out. The Crusades back uh, 900 years ago, they tried to reclaim some of it in Jerusalem and so forth. That was the major center. But to all the land of uh, Ephraim and Manasseh and all that was mostly nomadic land until Israel went back and started claiming it. And then it became very valuable land because, my, uh, the Philistines and the other people that had li- lived in that land for two millennia had never done anything with it. Today, 
it produces so much of the fruit and so much of the grain and everything else of Europe, of Southern Europe. But it's a very rich land that uh, God allowed to be barren for so many years. But even back in the time of the Emperor Hadrian, which was about 150 years, 135 years after the time of Christ, or after his birth anyway, uh, Hadrian, uh, he was very famous for building the wall up in Jerusalem, up in uh, England, but also uh, his extension was all the way into uh, into Palestine, or excuse me, not Palestine at that time it was Israel, but he, and he was going to extend the olive branch to the uh, to the Jews and said, "Well, I'll even help you build a temple." And but then he started getting all this feedback saying these people have re- rebelled against the Lord so many times, uh, or against uh, Rome so many times, and you're just uh, stirring up a hornet's nest. And so not only did he cancel the plans, but he also turned against the Jews, and he, it was one of those great ten persecutions of the Jews during that time. And so when he renamed, and Hadrian is credited by most, there's a dispute about it, but. Uh, that he was uh, credited with the very name Palestine, which is a corruption of the name Philistine. And so the, the, the Palestinians today are actually still technically the Philistines. They're nomadic people that wandered around, never really settling. And isn't it interesting that uh, when Israel moved in and all these people were displaced, Jordan didn't want them. Lebanon doesn't want them. They formed finally a, by the armistice or whatever they did back in the 70s, they formed a place in Gaza uh, where they could uh, have a little strip of land, beautiful land. They could have really developed it. It had seashores. You could have done all the motels that Tel Aviv has and everything else. Uh, And of course, that's where the Palestinians are today. But guess what? all these people that we're hearing about, they need a place to stay, less refugees, let them come. There's not, Egypt doesn't want them. Jordan doesn't want them. Saudi Arabia doesn't want them. Uh, Lebanon doesn't want them. No Arab state over there wants the, the Philistines or the Palestinians. They are, <laughs> it's so interesting. And yet, what do they want to call Israel? Palestine. You know, the whole area is called Palestine. No, the Israel, Israel, Israelites do not, never accepted the name Palestine. And even today, it's a curse word to many people that are called that. And so uh, it's so interesting how that the, the tribe of Dan was also the tribe that was given this land. And they failed. And like Abraham, when he disobeyed God, and they, as a result, he had children outside of God's plan who plague Israel to this day. Here Dan had a chance to do the mop up, and he didn't do it. And to this day, we have the Philistines or the Palestinians or whatever you want to call them. Now, of course, I'm making it a little bit more simplistic than it is. Everything in Palestine, everything in, Palestine, everything in the, the Near East today is so complicated that there's no simple story of it all, but I'm giving you kind of an overview. But just that simple thing where God says, well, how long are you going to stay? Get out there and now do the mopping up. Gaza, or that whole area down there where Gaza is now, this would be where some of that, uh, those cities would be. Um, this is yours. 
and that you can have Ekron. And these were now places that were very weak. Remember how that uh, these city, these people all conglomerated and they fought Joshua. They were very weak and they had fled back into their own cities. And these cities were small, but Israel gave them a chance to get back up. And by the time, two, several generations later, by the time of Samson, they were a major force. And they caused Israel's problem all the way into the time of David, all the way into the time of the Babylonians. We see that uh, the Philistines were a problem. And so that is the way it is in our lives. Whenever God, full salvation, freely offered, we have it. And yet, and as a church, as we mentioned last week, we can have great revivals, but you still have to go home and do some cleaning up yourself, don't you? There's still certain things in your own personal life that unless you take care of them, they can destroy you and the church. Or they can hurt you very badly or be a plague to you in the church. And so, or your family or whatever else. And so we see that uh, this great principle that we see all the way through, and you're going to see this in the book. In fact, uh, Leon Morris, who was a great uh, creationist, he wrote a book on the depressing days of the judges. It's one of the great commentaries of the book of Judges and how just failure after failure after failure because of they didn't drive out the Canaanites. They did not drive out and possess the land totally. They were given the land, everything that God promised them. All they had to do was go back and take care of the little things. And the little things would have never come, become the big things. And they would have continued to have rest. But they failed. And as a result of that, they have had problems throughout their history. And so will we. Our destinies are so... Uh, uh, so... Um, dependent on our obedience to God. And so, and turn with me over to the book of Hebrews, and we kind of finish up tonight. It's kind of a short message, I hope. But, uh, but um, in chapter 5 of Hebrews, of course, Hebrews were Jews. And God offered them free salvation. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to them, telling them the great blessings you have through the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, now possess your possessions. Possess what God's given you. Notice in verse uh, 12 of chapter 5 of Hebrews. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of, the, of, of God, of the oracles of God. Now, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be stuck on just the doctrine of salvation. The, the, the doctrine of salvation is the beginning of our completion. I was saved many years, several years ago. But uh, I, my testimony should not be that, oh, every now I, yes, my testimony should be I know when I was saved and so forth. But there should be some victories and some development since the time I was saved. Amen? How many, you know, the, the one people, there are a lot of people knocking on doors. We had somebody knock on our door this afternoon. We don't know exactly who it is, but we do have false cults that come through. You know who they're looking for? They're looking for Baptists because they know the Baptists don't know anything other than uh, that they were baptized and somewhere they went to church and, you know, they went forward or whatever. And, mo and some of the great, a great percentage of the Jehovah's Witnesses are ex-Baptists. Because they never developed, they never developed their 
their salvation. Now, are they saved? I have no idea. I'll let God deal with that. But they are often to uh, cults and everything else that deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, which tells me they're probably not. But there's a lot of false professions out there. A lot of people that go through the religious experience and they're carried along with, by the tide of victories of others, just like many of the Israelites were. But inwardly, they are still carnal and they've never really committed their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we have the, the Hebrews. And we see that he says, by this time, you should be already teaching others the first principles of the oracles of God. You should know your salvation. And you have come to need uh, to milk and not solid food. So you really, we can't go on to sanctification. We can't go on to other things. Now you want us to set, up, set you up a few rules like don't do this and don't do that. and oh, No, there's a lot more to salvation than just don't do this and do this. There's a relationship with a, with a God in heaven that we want to develop and, and find out as we say, teach me your ways, O Lord. How many times do we see that in Psalm 119? Teach me, teach me, Lord. I want to learn more. I want to learn more about you, more about Jesus, what I know, more about Jesus to others show. I want to know more. And so Christianity is a relationship. I sure is good that I got married uh, back a few years ago. I'm not going to, but at the same time, if all we, if we're still on the first year of marriage after several decades of marriage, and we're still having the same very problems or the same adjustments we had our first year, we got problems. Amen. Amen. I mean, because it's a relationship. It's something where she can look at me and I already know what she's thinking sometimes, most of the time, but not all the time because she's a woman. But at the same thing, but you know, I can pretty well know whether she's pleased or displeased. But uh, she, she picks my mind. She knows exactly. But uh, with hers, whatever. I don't want to get into that. But at the same time, it's fun. But I'm, we develop a relationship. And I pretty well know what she likes and what she doesn't like. I know uh, things that uh, really depress her and things that really elate her. And so, of course, these are all developments. And so, and same way with God. After a few years of salvation, I know what pleases him. I know what displeases him. And so as a result, I want to please my Lord. I, as I want to be like my uh, Lord Jesus who said, I do all things to what? Please my Father. So I want to know God's will. I want to go farther than just knowing that I'm saved. And of course, if you don't go farther than knowing that you're saved, Second Peter tells us that if, these, if you're not adding to your faith virtue and knowledge and all these things, then you get to a point where you're myopic and forgot that you were even saved in the first place. That's sad. There's a lot of people out there today that don't even know. Oh, they'll tell you, I was, oh, I went to church, I got saved 10, 15, 5, whatever, years ago. Uh, well, what are you doing now? Oh, I don't go anywhere. Uh, do you know you're on the way to heaven? Yeah, because I went for it. Well, do they really even know? And so either they got a false security or, as I heard one, something, you know, no, I'm on my way to hell. I went to church. Well, boy, that's a sad one. I mean, whenever they get to the point where they, they don't even care what hell is, it shows you how far they are gone. So they're not possessing what God's given them. But notice that he talks to these people. He says, for everyone who partakes um, only of milk 
is unskilled in the word of righteousness. So God wants you to lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But if you don't know the word, and if it's not developing in your life, then you're going to be unskilled in, in living it. And so how many, and how many times someone was talking about some football player this past week, and he was talking about how that uh, he loved Jesus and how Jesus helped him be a better football player. And then when they won the Super Bowl, he was one of the first ones out there drunk. I mean, folks, uh, sometimes we would do God a favor and not just tell everybody that we're, you know, Christians if we're going to do stuff like that, if we're not committed to him, especially on a big platform stage like that. And so we see that uh, uh, they don't, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. And one thing I've learned in the ministry is whether spiritually or physically, well, not physically, but socially, a lot of people never grow up. A lot of people are in their 50s and they're having probably, you, you would think they're 13-year-olds. I've said many times how many, all four of my kids, once they got out into the workplace, they would come home and say, Dad, these people are up in their 40s and 50s and I know more about uh, uh, right and wrong than they do. And they did, you know, but there again, it's not because my kids were so great. It's just that, uh, you know, that's the way the world is. And I did that too. I went to work and I found out that Boys will be boys, whether they're 50 or 40, or, or whether they're 5 or 50. You know, so again, we see that uh, people that are unskilled in the word, that can be very dangerous for them, for they are but a babe. But solid food, that's the people that really get into it. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use of their senses exercised, or their exercise of their senses, to discern both good and evil. So how do you know good from evil? Because God has worked in your mind, and you have gone out from the preaching of the word or the reading of the word, and you said, oh, and the Holy Spirit starts teaching you, and the radar that goes off, we talk about radar, and you start learning what's good from evil. And it's because God is working in your heart. Remember what we said this morning, that God convicts us of sin. Well, that's our senses uh, exercised. I want my senses to be very sensitive so that God doesn't have to beat the devil out of me. I want him to be able to just guide me with his eye rather than with his outstretched arm. I would rather for God to just, uh, I would rather to know that my Lord is displeased with me than he's going to have to really do something because I'm so far outside of his will. And so again, you know, my sense is exercised and your sense is exercised that, oh, the preacher says I got to do this. No, that's not your senses. No, I, you know, I can't, t I can't be out with you and no one in the church can be with you 24-7. There's times when you've got to make decisions on your own. And oh, that we would learn to discern between good and evil. Sometimes we fall. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and the Lord directs his way. And though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord loves, the Lord upholds him with his hand. God will never let you go. Psalm 37. And we all do. If, if, if we confess our sins which means since we confess our sins, he will, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all. That's senses exercise. That's, yeah. Have you had your senses exercised by the matter of forgiveness? Has God forgiven you and you sense the, the relief of, the, of the, uh, the burden of sin? That's your senses exercise. Have you sensed that God is leading you in a direction of righteousness and you know that you've got to do the right thing and you go ahead and do it and as a result you're so glad and you see what, what wrong is? Those are all parts of our senses being exercised. That's developing, that's, uh, that's uh, obtaining our inheritance. God wants us to possess what the full salvation that he offers. It begins at salvation, but it lasts and it goes through the rest of our lives. And so our senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Therefore, notice it goes on to chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection. And that word perfection uh, means maturity. Let us go and let's get mature. Let's mature ourselves in faith. Let, not laying aside the foundations of repentance from dead works. So don't lay that aside. And uh, like I said this morning, there's a lot of preaching out there that is so unscriptural today. And um, there's a woman uh, preaches. In fact, uh, she's got a great following of, uh, of women and effeminate men by the name of Joyce Meyer. But she says we shouldn't feel convicted of sin anymore. Well, she must not because well, <laughs> she has lived a life of sin and yet she is very popular in so many things. And I don't want to get too deep in it. I've, I'm a sinner myself. But you know, I, what I'm saying is that there's a, a lot of her message and her, and her method don't match but we see that uh, we we want to we don't we're not laying again the foundation of repentance no we're we base our lives on it i come to the lord just as i am i die daily i want to live for the lord so we don't lay that that just becomes a walk with the lord so we don't have to go back and fight it over and over again salvation walking with the lord as we've said is a rhythm it's where you learn step by step how to follow the Lord without, without even thinking about it. Whenever you have to worry about every step, that means that something is slowing down in your system. And of course, we, we know that we've got a lot of people that have that physically. But we want to walk with the Lord spiritually in the sense that we just automatically do most of the things he tells us to do. And then when we get to those points where we're not sure which way to go, we know who to go to to find that, that he directs our paths. And what does he tell us? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean on to thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths as we walk with him. And so we don't lay all this down. And of course, the doctrine of baptism, you know, I've, down south it was so, you know, I've always said it's kind of interesting um, you talk to, now, of course, this has changed because nobody's going to church anymore down there. But uh, one of the big problems I had, in a t they called it the buckle of the Bible belt, Mobile, that whole area right in there. And uh, most people had gone to, I mean, by the time we, if we had our vacation Bible school in August, uh, most of the kids had already gone to three or four or five of them before. And most, most kids would tell you that they got saved in Bible school. They got baptized. I've known guys been baptized in three or four different churches. You know, it's just over and over. That, I mean, that's as far as they go. 
But when you talk to them about salvation, you're not sure they're saved at all in the first place because they've never developed past that. Well, I went forward when I was a kid, when I was uh, 12 years old, and I got baptized after that. So I know, how old are you now, 35? Well, you've been back to church? No. I mean, no, that's, is that salvation? Uh, there again, there's a lot of people who think they're saved that they better watch out. But he says, of the doctrine of salvation, lay on of hands and the resurrection of the dead, all these different things that they went through. He says, and this we um, will, um, and these things we do if God permits, but there again, those are basics. But uh, how far have you gone? Have you gone on to maturity? Do you know why you believe? Can you sing the song, I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him? Do I know it? Am I convinced that he's able? That comes from spiritual exercise. That comes from spiritual walking with the Lord. So it's one thing to be saved and God gives you all the inheritance. That's, he, he paid for it all. He gave it to us. But there are the wars of the flesh where we go and possess that inheritance. We sing victory in Jesus. Can we claim the victory? We have to go through the battle. Are we willing to fight for the Lord Jesus Christ? Must I be carried to the skies in flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? No, there's always a battle. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And so we see that uh, God gave them everything they needed, gave them rest for their land. And as long as they were obedient, they were victorious. As long as they were obedient, they had peace. Even in victory and even in battle, they had peace with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great blessings in our lives. That we can know whom we can know you. And we can walk with you. And Lord, give us that hunger and thirst after your righteousness. Lord, may we continue to grow. And as we said this morning, as we look back on our lives and say, oh, I wish I'd learned that earlier. May that be true all the way through our lives, just always learning something. Always finding out, Lord, that your word is true. Finding out that you are powerful. Finding out, Lord, that you can deliver us from sin and from danger that you can bless, and Lord, that we can look back on answered prayer and see how that you so marvelously have delivered us and given us great victories. Bless your people, Lord. Bless us as we seek to do your will. May we possess the promises that you've given us. And oh, Lord, may we be able to sing victory in Jesus, our Savior. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.